Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is uh, Wednesday, the 30th of September, the last day of September. Fall arrived in a minute the other day. It's 10 o'clock in the morning as we record this. I'm Mike A. Race with our soccer experts. Number one, our fine crew beat writer, Jacob Myers, and Kyle Robertson at K Rock Photo, the, well, by acclaim and uh, certainly. Well, by acclaim, the finest sports photographer in the state of Ohio, if not the entire universe. Week 14 is in the books, gentlemen. The crew is coming off a 3-1 to one loss in East Hartford at Rensselaer Field, now known as, I believe, as Pratt & Whitney Stadium. Only their second loss of the year, 9-2-3. and three. And prior to that, they beat Minnesota in a big one uh, at home at the Moffray Stadium in front of, of 1,500 fans. There were none in East Hartford. Definitely a contrast. First, let's talk about, gentlemen, before we get into standings and, and how the big picture looks, let's talk about uh, the most recent developments. Jacob, your thoughts on the loss to Toronto in which the crew's Right, left flank was uh, was very much exposed, uh, at least uh, by Mr. Larea. Yeah, the first half honestly looked like a continuation from the Minnesota match, where the offense was extremely fluid. I mean, they led eight one in shots at halftime, certainly from the own goal, but there were a couple shots and plays in there, one from Luis Diaz, another from Jossie Zardes. While Fox Sports was having some technical difficulties, I know everyone was a bit frustrated with that, but the crew easily could have been up 2-0 at half. Obviously, they weren't, and I think it showed in the second half why you have to capitalize on those opportunities. Now, I think there were more good defensive plays by Toronto instead of any mistakes by the crew, but overall, the crew felt confident going into the second half and were just blitzed by Toronto quickly out of the gate. Altador gets the equalizer in the first three minutes. By the 59th minute, Toronto took the lead on a Alejandro Pozuelo goal there. He had the assist on the first one. And then from there, I mean, the crew just struggled to maintain possession, string together really any scoring chance. And it was a completely different and a really, I guess, a paradox of that first half. And Caleb Porter said as much. I thought his assessment after the game was very fair. They just did not expect what happened in the second half because, frankly, they hadn't shown it all year. And, and Mike, as you said, Richie Larea completely abused the crew's left side of their defense, especially on his goal late, just basically dribbling through Pedro Santos and Milton Valenzuela and then going five hole on Aloy Room. So, look, I think the crew have to look in the mirror a bit. Uh, it's It's not a panic moment, but I think it's a small red flag a little coming up, maybe a warning. Well, they've scored, they've given up five goals or eight goals this year, and they gave up three in the second half against Toronto. And some of that could have been fatigue, given the number of games they played in a short span of time. But some of that was Larea being very good. He also assisted on their their first or two of their goals and had one, danced around like Messi for the, for the other one and put it home near post. But surprising, Kyle, given how good they've been defensively, as I said, eight goals now given up on the season and a three of them in one half against Toronto, which has another gear, it seems like, like elite teams do that, that maybe the crew does not. Yeah, I think you saw that in the uh, you know in the in the first two goals, they saw an opportunity of heading down the right side, and the crew defense kind of uh, when when they got down to the baseline, you know, all shifted back, and that left 
uh, both guys open for both the goals. I mean, it's kind of like uh, I was texting Jacob during the game, the old, uh, you know, the basketball player where the center passes it in and then everyone kind of goes up court and then the center kind of trickles in and then it sits at the free throw. Nobody's guarding him. You just pass it to him and he shoots and scores. That's what it kind of seemed like the first two goals. But, you know, give Toronto credit. They saw something in the first half and they kind of exploited it, you know, the whole entire second half. And then also I think the crew really – I think it was the first – half that they truly missed Nagmi kind of uh, directing everything and you know a couple of the subs kind of came in and they were trying to do long balls they just weren't working out and you know they just really struggled to get anything going in the second half what is uh, Nagby's status Jacob it's it's going to be a little bit more time yet uh, on it what is his injury and and what's his uh, what's his status yeah, after the Minnesota game, I believe it could have been the Nashville game. I believe it was after Minnesota we found out that Nagby had his knee scoped and it was two to three weeks. So we're recording this Wednesday. This would be a week. And then they play Saturday against Dallas, Wednesday again against Montreal. So I think you're looking in the window of maybe at FC Cincinnati if they're fortunate at Orlando as a return. But that's kind of as it looks right now. So the Trillium uh, Cup loss, <laughs> everyone follows the Trillium Cup standings for sure. But anyway, the loss the loss to Toronto was kind of a, a jolting given the way, one, they played in the second half uh, and were dominated as such. And again, fatigue might have come into play there. But also because, Jacob, they were coming off what was, you could say, one of their signature victories this year against Minnesota, kind of a revenge match of sorts. Um, tell us how that one unfolded and, and what the takeaways were. Yeah, I hope everyone listened to the episode of this podcast with Jordan Angeli. We broke down that game and She's been fantastic in her first year with the club. So hopefully people listen to that. But yeah, I think the crew probably, you know, in hindsight, you want your teams, championship teams put away games like that. They probably should have scored more than two goals. And if it weren't for what is maybe a, a fingernail or half of a shoulder offside, it, it would have been an equalizer late, kind of reminiscent of some games late last year. But it was probably one of the most complete performances of the year for the crew. And, and that, like I said, that continued in the first half against Toronto. And look, I think this past game, you could chalk it up as an outlier. Of course, as you said, Mike, it was, they gave up five goals in 13 games before allowing three goals in, in 45 minutes. So it was absolutely the worst half they've had. And, and because of that, maybe the worst game, but Toronto's a very good team and, and Minnesota also a good team. So the crew's beaten Philadelphia as well. I think they've shown that they can be good teams, but this was certainly one that I think the crew are going to look back on and maybe kind of hold in their head if, if they're get fortunate enough to, I guess, have maybe a revenge game down the road in the postseason. Yeah, I come back to it. Uh, and I'm not saying the crew doesn't have it. Right. They, they have. But, but I'm talking about, Kyle, that that next gear offensively. You know, when you, you look at their differentials plus 15, you know, they played 14 games. They're nine, two and three. They lead the league in points and victories um, tied for fewest losses. And they've allowed the fewest goals, eight in the league. They've also scored 23, which keeps them, let me see, I crunched this. That's 10th in the league. So there are teams up there, like you look at LAFC, for instance, in the West, which leads the league in goals with 32 in 14 games. Now, they're only plus three, so they've given up a ton. And I'm sure they're tinkering with, with their defensive shape, for sure. But 
they have a gear that the better teams have. I think there's another echelon of offense in the league. Kyle, do you agree? I mean, you could put uh, Seattle in, in that classification too, the defending champions. In 13 games, they've scored 29 goals and, and they do lead the league in differential with plus 17. But that offensive gear, Kyle, is that something that could get a goose uh, somewhere and, and from an acquisition or whatever? Or do you agree with the general premise that there's another level of offense, that uh, another echelon in this league? that the crew is not quite among. Well, I think they're they're on the verge. I mean, you also have to look at the whole roster. They haven't really been, you know, whole, you know, 100% healthy, you know, throughout the whole, you know, they've been kind of nicked up and kind of missing a guy or two here and there. But yeah, I mean, I think that's what you'd probably, if you can always address another, you know, someone who can score or who can, you know, can be part of the attacking. But I think they're pretty well set. But I mean, I think they're, they're at the bottom of that next level of like you talked about, you know, I don't think they're the most dangerous team, but I think when everything's clicking and everyone's together and everyone's healthy, you know, I think they can be very, very dangerous and hard to defend if everyone's going and everything's, you know, everyone's 100% healthy. I would largely agree with that. I, I don't think they're up there with the LAFCs and Seattle Sounders in terms of the very, very elite scoring teams. But when they are on uh, we've seen they do have the ability to score it. And, and if you I don't think to win a title, you need to be that really elite scoring team, because obviously this defense is solid. Um, but to your point, Mike, now that they have some injuries, maybe that's being exposed a little bit more. And, ju- and just let's be honest, when you're missing a player like Darlington Nagby, the play is not going to be as good. That's what happens when you're missing star players. No question but, about it. What What is the. Uh... Can you go over the injury situation and the latest news for the team, Jacob? Yes. Obviously, Vito Warmhor is out for the season uh, after ankle surgery in the MLS's back tournament. And then Darlington Nagby, as we just said, probably another week and a half to two weeks. Waylon Francis appeared on the injury report. He hasn't really been in the game day roster at all this year. And Fernando Adi, the backup striker, is out two, three weeks with an, an abdominal and. I can't even say it. You know what I'm trying to say. He's got a strain in the abs. But that's a position that I think the crew need more scoring from is another striker off the bench to provide that lift. Kyle, you're chopping at the pit there. I can see it. You you have something you want to add. Oh, no. Well, I was just going to add one more thing, you know, about the attack and about kind of the crew play. I think also with the with the number of games and also the travel. I mean, I, I don't know if Caleb said it in the in the game or, or the post game or anything like that, but it could be something where they're kind of tired or kind of run down a little bit with the schedule being the way it is and also the way things are traveling nowadays, you know. So I think that, you know, you also have to consider that too. Well, he has mentioned it, but it, he in the same breath has said, you know, no excuses cuz Toronto also had a midweek game. Look, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make too huge a thing about it because we know what this team is like when it can't score. We've, we've certainly seen that. And that's not this year's team. You know, they're going through a, maybe a, a bit of doldrums here, 14 games in with, with uh, 10 to go. And, you know, they'll get through it. Uh, maybe they'll get healthier. And uh, they certainly miss Nagby. In any case, gentlemen, they're they're still in fine shape. Uh, they, they lead the league, as I said, with 30 points. So they are the Jacob Myers Supporter Shield favorites at this point. <laughs> In fact, uh, 538 uh, projects the crew to have a 40% chance, that's the best in the league, according to 538, of winning the Supporters' Shield and somehow vindicating Jacob. Philadelphia with a 21%, Seattle 15, Toronto 15, Orlando 15, and at this point with uh, 10 games remaining, as well as some kind of playoffs, the 538 Cup projections 
MLS Cup projections, Seattle, 13% chance, and then tied for second place, 11% apiece, Philadelphia, Columbus, Toronto, and uh, LAFC. So, you know, there's no shame. They're, they're playing uh, very well uh, uh, the last half the, or 45 minutes notwithstanding. Um, tied for the fewest losses with uh, Philadelphia, Toronto, Orlando, and, and Sporting Kansas City. Um, they continue to lead the league in points and victories. They have nine now to eight for Philadelphia and Toronto. Fewest goals against eight. Uh, Toronto uh, or New York FC is second at 10. And, uh, you know, Seattle uh, in what is a wild and woolly West uh, uh, leads the league in differential uh, plus 17 crew right behind him plus 15 so what is their schedule like this week jacob considering that the next game is at dallas on uh on saturday october 3rd yeah and quickly just to correct myself it was after the nashville game that we found out nagby would be out two to three weeks so we're going on week two now so maybe he will be back for that orlando game which could be a, a very pivotal game in terms of the standings uh, their schedule, they have FC Dallas on Saturday, followed by Montreal Impact Wednesday, and then the next week, Sunday, at Orlando. So, you know, we're talking about the offense, and, and obviously, Mike, I, I do agree. You know, the game before, I think, was their most complete game offensively, and they've steadily improved in that. This game was a step back, but uh, like you, I, I do believe this offense has proved enough that they can continue scoring it, and we'll find out this week if they have kind of corrected some things like that, because FC Dallas has the second fewest goals allowed in the West, where it seems like everyone is, is scoring at will. And if we learn anything month, September that you can take away, if you're the crew is Pedro Santos is back in good form. He's got three goals and four assists in the month of September. So I think you're looking at that as a positive, uh, certainly some big games with Dallas and Orlando on the road though. Yeah, I think, Kyle, what's more surprising is that uh, is the three goals in, in the second half. Um, and uh, with Pedro watching Larea go by him three times, uh, you know, Milton had his problems with him one on one and so forth. But but Larea, man, was he good? I, I think, as I was saying, that the more startling thing is giving up the three goals and a half uh, for a team that's only given up eight goals on the season. And you know what? Given their body of work to this point, I have to think that's aberrational more than anything else uh, there was a matchup they got exposed with they toronto just set up to hammer their their left side for the entire second half and obviously it worked but uh, i don't think that is de rigueur for this team uh the, the crew they've played so well defensively also I mean, do you guys have any thoughts on Eli rooms kind of game i mean the first two goals he didn't even move and then the third he kind of got five hold i mean i don't think it was his best game but i mean does that concern you guys maybe moving forward no, no, I think his track record has shown he's a, been as good as a replacement for Zach Steffen as you could possibly hope for. Right, right. Well, just wrapping up uh, with the standings, and, and uh, gentlemen, I'll, I'll solicit your final thoughts in, in just a minute. Uh, crew on top of the East, uh, 30 points, followed by Philadelphia, Toronto, and Orlando. Things re- remain the way they are. Of the 10 teams that get in on the East side, and there's 14 in the quote-unquote East this year, which is a, a strange wrinkle, obviously, and it's due to COVID and, and the MLS's back tournament. But anyway, Columbus, Philadelphia, Toronto, Orlando, 30, 28, 28, and 26 points, top four. They would be looking at buys in the playoff. The next 
five through ten would be playoff eligible in the East. Those are Revolution, NYCFC, NYRB. Tired of using the acronyms. Montreal, Nashville, Chicago from 21 down to 15 points. Crews in good shape. Uh, obviously, they're going to make a playoffs. Let make the playoffs. They maybe even put themselves in a position to make a run. Seattle uh, leads the West with uh, 24 points. Uh, that's uh, but only through 13 games. Um, the three of the top four teams in the West, uh, actually all four of them, Seattle, Portland, Kansas City, and Dallas, 24, 24, 20, and 20 points. All of them have played only 13 games. Most other teams in the league, including uh, all the leaders in the East, have 14 under their belt. Colorado, Minnesota, LA, FC, and Real Salt Lake are five through eight, and it'd be eight teams making it in the West. And uh, that's the way it looks among leaders. Kyle, your, your final thoughts? You know, I, I just think it's, it's going to be pretty exciting to watch the next four games and, and kind of see how how the crew kind of handles it. You know, you have, you know, two of the four in a playoff with Montreal just on the edge. So, I mean, you can basically say three of the four teams are playoff. And then also you have Cincinnati. So, I mean, I think, you know, crew fans should be really looking forward to this. You know, I think the next four games will kind of set the tone for the, you know, the end of the season. And if they can bank maybe nine points or even, you know, six or seven points in the next four games, I think it'd be pretty crucial. And also, you know, the the crew are 7-0 at home and what, 2-2-3 two, two, and three on the road. So, I mean, if they want to make a deep run, I think having that number one overall seed is going to be really important for them. Jacob Kyle makes two excellent points at Dallas on Saturday the 3rd, home against Montreal on Wednesday, the following Wednesday on the 7th, then at Orlando and at Cincinnati. That's a nice stretch of schedule. Okay, Cincinnati's not having the finest year for sure. They're in 12th place in the East and uh, probably... And, you know, they're still in contention for a spot. There's an outside chance. But that is three very good teams off the hop, two of them on the road at Dallas, at Orlando, and then at Cincinnati, which is a rivalry game. So, Kyle, that makes a very good point. Your thoughts on that, on this upcoming stretch? You know, starting with Toronto, I think we all knew that this stretch would challenge the crew. It's six of eight games on the road. They conclude the year with two games at home. Still on the schedule, as you mentioned, Orlando, then they also have home games against New York City and Philadelphia. So we are going to find out more about this team, how they play against playoff caliber Eastern Conference champion contender teams. It's certainly not a time to panic, but just from our perspective of covering this team, I think it's going to be more interesting and, and more fun. We've seen now, I think, the bar is set for where they what they have to clear being Toronto FC. Certainly whenever they get Darlington Eggby back will be a huge boost of help to this club. But, you know, we've we've said it a lot that this team has has proven over the course of 14 games now that they're solid. They're still in first place. Uh, so no, no panic for crew fans, but it, it should make up for a really, really interesting slate of games to wrap up the year. Indeed, can't complain too much when the, they have lead the league and are the front runners for the Jacob Miners uh, Supporter Shield. They're in really good shape right now, just as, as, as good as you can expect. And that's it for uh, Patrick Flaherty, our producer, uh, for Jacob Myers, our, our fine uh, crew beat writer, and for Kyle Robertson, shooter extraordinaire. Uh, I'm Mike A-Race. Thank you for joining us. And, and we'll probably talk to you next week, most likely on Thursday, but don't mark it down. Jacob may push one earlier. Thank you, and Patrick, blow us out of here.